Welcome to One Life Online. The podcast that brings you the weekly sermons at One Life Church, Kampala. In this episode, we listen to the fifth of seven sermons in the marriage series titled God's Design for Marriage, presented by Brett Scudder. As you listen to this message, may the Lord speak to you through His Word by His Spirit and cause you to walk according to His will by His grace. Genesis chapter 2, notice what Scripture tells us. We'll jump through a couple of verses and then we'll read a passage. Uh, Notice Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. It says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Now skip down to verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. By the way, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now skip down to verse 21. And the Lord God caused caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called a woman because she was taken out of man. Verse 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Verse 25, And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now skip ahead to uh, the New Testament. Let's look in Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, very quickly, Ephesians chapter 5. Muli Brunji. No. All right. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm having a hard time turning very quickly. Notice what he says here in verse 22. Ephesians 5.22, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church, and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Verse 32, this is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church 
Nevertheless, let each, each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you for your holy word. Your word is life to those that find it. It's health to all of our flesh. Your word is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. Jesus said your word is truth. So Father, we receive truth today. Let us hear with the ears of faith and let us hear through the, the, the concepts of, of the scriptures and not with our own human concepts. Help us, Father, to know you as you want to be known, not as we think we ought to know you. Help us to obey you as you command us to obey you, not as we think we should obey you. Help us, Father, to conform fully to the Word of God and help us to honor you today. Be with us, we pray. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, as our teacher. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. How many of you love the Word of God? Amen. I absolutely do. I'm a Bible man through and through. Praise God, we, we, we ought to be like the Bereans and keep studying it out. Amen. Hallelujah. So my, my, my assignment is God's design for marriage. One of the important understandings or the, 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 the realities that we need to have concerning marriage is that every culture, every system, every country, every peoples has kind of a different idea of what marriage is and is not. And that's why it's absolutely necessary for us to, to find ourselves and find marriage in the Bible. There's good and bad concepts in every, every uh, uh, you know, idea of marriage, Wh whatever country you may be from, whatever culture you may be from, and there's always good things that we can glean from them, but we have to be sure that we are basing everything on God's design for marriage. He, he made the blueprint. He gave us the plans. The, 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 the concepts are established in Scripture. They're not established in our mind, and they're, they're not established in our culture. And I, I, I don't want to harp on it, but I want to emphasize it. Because every one of us, we, we've grown up in different families. Uh, my, you know, my dad decided to leave us when I was uh, one year old. I don't know why. Actually, I do. He was a carnal man. Uh, but he, he didn't, and he didn't want to be married. He, he didn't want to have the responsibility of marriage. Uh, so from the beginning of my own personal life, the concept of marriage has been disrupted. You get what I'm saying? Amen. I don't know if that's happened to you. I know that was the situation in my wife's life. Uh, many of us have been through that. We've, we've had blended families. Some of you, you've grown up in single homes and, you know, maybe your mother raised you that dad was nowhere around. Uh, all of those things. What, what I'm trying to say is every one of us as born-again Christians needs to reset our mind to conform to the Word of God. Amen. At Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 says, be not conformed. Actually, verse 2, be not conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your... Well, how do we get our mind renewed? Through the Word of God. The Word of God changes us. The Word of God washes us. The Word of God puts God's concepts into our life. That's why we sow it into us. Amen? So 
It's imperative that we understand God's design and his purpose, his intentions for marriage so that we can strive to build a marriage that is scriptural. Amen. I pray all the time, God, help me to be a, a better husband. God, help me to be a better father, a better son, so that my life pleases you. I, you know, Jesus said in John chapter 14, he said, I do always those things that please my father. So our heart, our desire is to be pleasing to God. It's not to get our own way. It's not to do our own thing. It's to obey Scripture. Amen. So the first point I want to give, and I, I'll, I'll go quickly, I promise. I'm a long-winded preacher. You know, in the village, they let me preach for an hour and a half. Is that okay? Hallelujah. <laughs> Pastor Martin's like, no. <laughs> Amen. No, I'll be quick. First point you need to understand, and this is the key point, this establishes the baseline for everything that marriage is, and that marriage is a covenant reflection. It is a covenant reflection. Scripture tells us here, uh, Paul teaching the church at Ephesus said, marriage is a reflection of the mystery of Jesus Christ and the church. That's the baseline for marriage. It is a reflection from the Garden of Eden. From the beginning of time, God's already talking about the church because he loves the church. He's excited about the church. There's a mystery, the mystery of the church that was veiled in the Old Testament. We saw types and shadows of it, but it was unveiled through Jesus Christ. Now we get to see the mystery of how God wants to fellowship with his own people. And it's not God's afar off. God's not way, okay, I'm going to use a southern expression. Can I use a southern American expression? My wife's saying no, but I'm going to say it anyway. Out yonder. Out yonder. That's two words, out yonder. See, sometimes God's, people think God's afar off and he's separated from us because he's so, uh, you, you know, he, he's untouchable. But that's not what the blood of Jesus Christ did. He drew us together. Through the blood of Christ, Jesus paved the way. He, he made a, a, a new and living way for us to access the throne room of God so that we would have fellowship with God. And the fellowship between husband and wife is to reflect the fellowship between Jesus Christ and his church. It's beautiful. Hallelujah. And that was in the garden. So marriage is a covenant reflection. It reflects Christ's relationship to the church just as the same way you and I in our individual lives, we are, are a reflection of Jesus Christ's life and his light in us. That's why Jesus says, let your light so shine before all men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. Amina, are you there today? You're listening. Covenants require several things. I just, just note this. Covenants require fidelity. They require fealty. They require loyalty of both parties to the vows they confess. That's why we have holy matrimony. That's why we come down the aisle. And that's why we formalize the, 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 the institution of marriage. It, it's a sacrament. It's, it's a holy thing to us because the vow is to reflect Jesus Christ and the church. Now, we all understand that Jesus did all the work we, we just get to accept it, right? 
but there's still a vow. There's still a confession of my, our mouth. Jesus, I confess you as Lord and Savior. I believe that God raised you from the dead. And with my mouth, I confess you as Lord. That's why we have vows at the altar. There's a confession one to another. I choose you. Hallelujah. See, Jesus chose you. Amen. You're the chosen of the Lord. And you get to say, and I choose you back, Jesus. Hallelujah. That's wonderful. Aren't you glad to know you're loved and you're, you're, you're wanted? And see, that's marriage, knowing that you, you want one another, not just, not just for the, the, the temporary. Too many young people, they're planning for the wedding, and you're not yet planning for your future. We, we, the wedding is awesome, but it's the, it's the baseline, it's the beginning for what God has for us through the eternity of our life or the, the end of our life. So covenants require fidelity on both parts. Fealty, that, that loyalty, and, and it's an intense loyalty. It's a, I'll do anything for you, especially husbands. You and I, you husbands, I'll talk to you for a minute. We are called to lay down our life for our spouses, just as Christ laid down his life for the church. Amen. There's nothing I won't do to defend my wife. Amen. I, I pray I never have to, you know, get in a situation where I've got to stand in front of something, and, you know, to protect her, but I'll do it. Amen. Hallelujah. So, some people, can I say something real quick? Some people, you're, 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 you're almost more, your, your covenant's almost more with your children than your own spouse, and, and that's not a reflection of Scripture. Your, your covenant's with your spouse. I think I offended everyone. Whoops. Hallelujah. We have a covenant with our spouse. Amen. Now, we love our children. We're going to raise them. We're going to defend them. But your covenant is with your spouse. Because, see, here we're in that stage of life where we're empty nesters. And it's just us. Uh, you know, we, there's no kids to, to, to huddle around in this instance. Now, we keep in touch with them. We text with them. Praise God for FaceTime and all of those good things, right? We even have the find me. We can touch it and find wh wherever they are. No matter where they are, we find them. We're like, oh, you're here. Oh, mom, dad, you're stalking me is what we hear all the time. Yes, we are. That's right. Amen. But see, in the phase of life that we're in, we're, our kids are moved on doing their thing. And they're doing what God's called them to do, everything we've put in them. But see, here's where a lot of people find that they've actually had a greater uh, uh, fellowship with their children than their own spouse because when their kids go away, they don't even know their spouse. Okay, I'm talking about other people. I'm not talking about you. Amen. But my covenant is with my wife. Hallelujah. Okay. Sorry to offend you, or maybe not sorry, I don't know. Covenants must be agreed upon by both parties, and then they are sealed or ratified through some token. Marriage, we ratify, we, we, we affirm our, our covenant with one another through marriage vows, through rings, and then, of course, through the intimacy itself of marriage. In the church, we are ratified and sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, Ephesians chapter 1 tells us. 
He's like the whole, he, the Holy Spirit's like God's engagement ring on your life. You belong to me. Hallelujah. All right, praise God. Maybe I'm more excited about that. Covenants require a sacrifice. Jesus did all of it in the church, but what are we doing for our own marriage? And I have to admit, when, I, when we first got married, I didn't understand this. Because we're so compatible, and that's one of the points, because we're so compatible, we got along. Like, we didn't have any issues, and then we started having kids, and we had to figure stuff out. And, and I realized I was failing to actually husband my wife. I was failing to lead her. I was failing to set vision and direction for our family. I was failing to sacrifice my own self for my family. Now, you could see me, I love my family, but I realized in the core of my being, I was not yet fully sacrificed. And husbands, we gotta do that. We have the, the greater responsibility. We are commanded, husbands, to love our wives as Christ loves the church. We're talking about God's design for marriage. Are you okay? You're there, you're listening? All right, praise the Lord. Husband, uh, wives, they respond to honor and submit to their husbands. But that's the easy part, if I can say it that way. When, when our wives know that we love them intensely and we are leading them, the, 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 the submission part comes really easily. All right. Marriage is a revelation of the mystery of the church and how God wants us to be with him. Number two, marriage is compassion excuse me, companionship. It is compassion, but it's companionship. Genesis chapter two, verse 18. I want to read this in the Amplified very quickly. I'm saying very quickly. The Amplified, Genesis two eighteen. Now the Lord God said, it is not good or beneficial for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper, one who balances him, a counterpart who is suitable and complementary for him. That this summarizes submission. Unfortunately, in today's society, submission takes on a, a, a bad word, a bad connotation, but it's a holy word. And, and we, we relate it to where, where was woman taken from? Woman was taken from the rib. She wasn't taken from the foot, so she's not to be kept under. She was taken from the side, so that's her place. Amen? We always talk about the function of the rib. What is the function of the rib? Well, the rib is a protector of those precious things for the man, right? But also the rib is under the arm. So the husband is to also be a protector of her. You get what I'm saying? Hallelujah. See, this is the beauty of what God does, and if we blow past where, we blow past these minutiae, we'll miss the beauty of marriage. It's companionship, togetherness. It is uninterrupted fellowship, and it is to be continuous. Jesus said in Matthew 19, verse 5 up to 6, what God has joined, let no man put asunder, including ourselves. Hello? The, the if we're talking about the design of marriage, it's that we get married and we stay married. Hallelujah. 
Now, now we, we, I know Pastor Martin, I don't know, you're, you're teaching it or it's already, you're going to teach it on divorce and remarriage. It's already done it. Okay, so we've been through that, so we have an understanding of that. But God's program, God's idea is for uninterrupted fellowship, the same as he wants with the church. It is not good for man to be alone. Adam saw that he himself had no companionship. And so God knew he had already installed Eve in Adam. We see that in chapter 1. He says, let us make man in our own, own image. In his own image created he them. Male and female created he them. So companionship is more than vows. It's more than wedding albums. It's more than intimacy. It is truly caring about and supporting each other in the fulfillment of God's plan for our life. Adam needed a help to tend the garden. Now, a lot of times when we think about the Garden of Eden, we think about, you know, maybe the space of the design hub or something. But you have to understand the garden was not a small place. It went probably from the Euphrates River all the way across Israel and probably into even Egypt. The garden was a massive place, and Adam couldn't do it alone. Amen. He needed someone who was suitable to him. He needed companionship in all of the work that he was doing. I can't even imagine, by the way, how Adam remembered the name of all the animals. I don't know if you've ever stopped and thought about that. Every animal, he named it, and then he remembered the name. Some of us, we shake hands and meet one another, and then we forget our names almost immediately. Maybe you're better at that. Pastor Martin is very good at remembering names, dates, all of those things. He's, he's extremely intelligent. Amen. But see, companionship is, is us working together, as us being together, us doing life together. Amen. And then I add this, intimacy is both the fruit and it's the strengthener of your companionship and your life together. Adam himself needed a qualified cooperative help to fulfill his vision and purpose. Number three, and I'm moving quickly, I hope you're okay. Number three, marriage is compatibility. As Ricky and Millicent were talking, I just kept thinking, these guys are so compatible. And, and, and that's, that's what God desires for us. God made Eve to be a helper who is so suitable and complementary as to be a counterpart or comparable to Adam. This is so important because there are those cultures, they abase uh, spouses. And that is not God's design at all. We, our wives are on an on a equal level in terms of their necessity for life. Yes, we have leaders, but you got to have a leader. Amen. But she was in no way uh, uh, less than him as a human. I, I want us to see that. In, in no way was she uh, kind of a... Uh, less intelligent. In no way was she less of significance. God made her to be of a compatible nature to Adam. Hallelujah. She's a counterpart comparable to him. See, compatibility breeds cooperation, which yields productivity and completion of assignment. 
Male and female is compatibility. Let me just drop something real quick. The world's trying to redefine this. If you pick up what I'm laying down, because I know there's young people in the midst. Male, female, husband, wife. That's God's design. It will never change. Don't let anyone let that change in your mind. Can I get an amen from the people of God in the house of God? Hallelujah. That's what the Word of God says. All right, let me move on. They're like-minded, equally yoked. Corinthians, Paul tells the church at Corinth, don't be unequally yoked. It's so important, and I hear this time and again. I hear people, they just get kind of, I'm going to use the word lusty for marriage, and they marry a person not compatible to them. And it is a ruin for their life. It is starting on the wrong foot. God can redeem anybody and anything, don't get me wrong, but that's not going to be the easiest way. It's not God's best way. Amen. Husbands, we're called, we're commanded to dwell with our wives according to intelligent recognition. That's what 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says. Dwell with them according to, to knowledge. That means intelligent recognition. That means I see all of the great things in her, and, I, and I'm going to put that to use. I don't disregard her input. I'm the man. Uh, you just sit over there. The, the, I would fail to intelligently recognize what she has in my life. All right, praise God. I got to move quickly. If each of us is competing for the same role, the marriage becomes dysfunctional and unproductive, and it fulfills neither of our callings. Amen. That's why, that's why we need this to understand the design. Because see, the heart can't do what the lungs do, and the lungs cannot do what the feet do. And it's, it makes no sense for us to compete for the same job. She has qualities about her that I don't have, and I need them. And the same is true. Likewise, I appreciate Millicent and Ricky talking about the, the, the benefits of one another and it, leaning on that. So they're, they're not in competition to see who's in charge. They, they're following the order of God. Hallelujah. Let me, let me go to point number four. Point number four, marriage is oneness. It is unity. Genesis 2, 24 and 25 says a man will leave his father and his mother. That's a separation from that, that, that uh, uh, oversight, that level of authority. Husband has to develop his authority and, and the leadership of his own family. Now, I love big families. I appreciate that we have them. But husbands, you got to lead your families because we will stand before Jesus and answer for how we led our own family. Amen. Praise the Lord. But see, also, they, they, were, they were before one another, and I don't mean to be crass or crude, so please hear what I'm about to say and hear with adult ears. They were totally available to one another. There was no hindrance in their fellowship. And a lot of people get here, they come into marriage and they have their own things. And some people keep their own bank accounts. And I have my money and she has his money. That is not God's best. And I'm not trying to talk about money. I'm just talking about having unity. Amen. 
My program is her program. Her program is my program. We are working together to fulfill our assignment in God. And I talk about this when I teach marriage. We could not have come on the mission field if she didn't know in her heart fully and completely God had called us to be missionaries. Amen. Because we're heirs together of the grace of life, First Peter tells us. But there's also protection as we talked about. There's protection because I protect the things that are important to her and she protects the things that are important to me because we're the same. No man hated his own flesh. She's my flesh. We're one. I, I, I don't want to leave her home. When, when I go to the village and preach for a week or whatever, I don't want to leave her. Amen. I think she's usually happy when I come home. Some husbands, some, let me say some marriages aren't always like that. They're happy when they go and they're sad when they come. Chitufunyu. <laughs> means that's very true. Amen. I, I want my wife to be, he's home. <laughs> my love has come home. Amen. And I tell her, you be standing at the door, you give me a big hug. And, no, I don't tell her that. She does it because she wants to. Amen. Praise the Lord. But see, that's, that's the sign of unity and fellowship. I don't want to be away from her. Amen. That's my girl. She's, she's me. That's God's design. One flesh desiring the good and betterment of each other, knowing that when each other's better, the both of you are better. If, if there's something going on with her, I got to fix it, man. I'm in it. Honey, what's going on? Talk to me. What, 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 what can I help you with? How can I help you? Because she's me and I'm her and I'm not at my best if she's not at her best. Hallelujah. Ephesians 5 says the husband is to nourish and cherish his wife. I think our wives would love that if we did that a little bit more. Number five, marriage is holy and it's honorable. Marriage is God's idea. It is God's system. It is to be held in honor among all. Listen, I, I'm, I'm not, I know I'm not talking to you, but I'll talk to someone. People go into marriages with prenuptial agreements, and I understand why they do it, but it is not God. Because it's a program, it's a, it's a plan B. If this doesn't work out, then I still have that. Do we have that type of relationship with Jesus? If this Jesus thing doesn't work out, do we have that? Because that's not God's design. His best is already established for us if we'll just accept it. Father, I got nothing else. I got Jesus. I, I, you're all I need. You're my everything. There's no backup plan. There's nothing else. I told my wife, you're, if you say yes, you are stuck with me. Up until the moment we said I do, I'm asking God, God, if she's not the right one for me and if I'm not the right one for her, until we make our vows, you let us know. But after that point, we're stuck. Amen. Is that true? And, I'm, and, and let me, this is going to be free. I won't charge you for this nugget. We never say a certain word in, our, in any conversation. 
The word divorce never comes up in any of our conversations. It is a nasty word. We don't say it. Now you can do what you want, but we both came from broken homes. It's not happening in my house. It's not happening in my house. I don't care what it takes. I'm going to do everything I can to make this work. Amen. And I'm not saying that, so I, I want to put some fire in you about this. Because Satan is doing everything he can to break that union. He's been doing it from the beginning, and he's doing it today. Do you know that single-parent homes, they're, they're increasing. They're not decreasing. They're increasing. Do you know that children from two-parent homes, they're more fully developed, they're more emotionally strong, they're even better at athletics. I, and I know that's a weird thing to say. You can go and look at all the statistics from two-parent homes. They're always better because that's God's design. Tell your neighbor, God's way is the best way. All right, had to wake us up a little bit. Marriage is to be held in honor among all. Hebrews 13, verse 4. Marriage is undefiled, so don't defile it. Hello. God is held in honor in our marriage as each, each spouse honors each one, one another. Husbands are to put honor on their wives. Wives are called to honor their husbands for their leadership and, her, and their self-sacrifice. Wives respond to love. My last point is six, and I know I'm, I'm over. Number six, marriage is generational. It's generational. God intended generations to flow from Adam and Eve. And you might, you might know, I, I know it, I'm fully aware, we are in the last days, but that does not change our mandate to, to replenish the earth, to be fruitful, to multiply. Jesus said, occupy till I come, do business till I come. That means we do what we know to do. And, and he shows up and we're busy doing what he told us to do. So we have to think generationally. My parents didn't think generationally. They thought moment. They lived for the moment. And, I, and that's something I've had to extract out of my heart and realize that this union will flow through our children. They, they pick up everything that we say and do. And here's something for you men, if I can encourage you on something. I know I'm giving you a lot, but men, your, your children, especially your daughters, your daughters will either want to marry someone like you exactly like you, or they will want to marry someone completely the opposite of you. Okay, we're talking about another church, Pastor Martin, another church and another place. Amen. I, I want to be the, I think Miss Millicent said it, I want to be the, the, the wife that my husband wants me to be. I think she said something. Some, I want to be the, the, the husband that my wife wants to be. I want to be the dad that my daughter wants me to be. Amen. And, and, you, and your boys, your boys will either want to be just like you or just completely the opposite. Because we're generational. Being fruitful and multiplying, fill the earth, subdue it, is the commandment in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. 
Obeying this mandate increases the kingdom numerically, but also spiritually, because you are multiplying that heart into your children. You are replicating your passion for God. Hallelujah. We're productive. We're influencing society through marriage because get this, and I, I'm done, I'm wrapping up. Every society has marriage. And marriage, remember, is a reflection of Jesus Christ and the church. So all throughout history, as people marry, it points back to Jesus. It points back to the cross. Whether it's a God-ordained marriage or not, it is still a reminder of why we do what we do. Hallelujah. God wants his covenant to be renewed, retaught, and refounded throughout the ages, and marriage is that vehicle. God's designed marriage to be absolutely perfect. So let's every one of us work on being the husband, the wife that we need to be so that God is honored in our marriage. That's where the rubber meets the road, people, is where we get God's image in our, and his concepts in our life and say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Not my way. I don't care what my parents did. Maybe you had good parents. Maybe you had an excellent example and praise God for that. But we're going to do it right. As for Joshua, he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's leadership. That's a commitment to doing things God's way. Father, we want to say thank you for the holy, precious. Thank you for listening to God's Word today. Feel free to contact the pastor on phone at 0705-581-369 or send an email to pastor at onelifechurch.ug or follow us on Facebook at One Life Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel at One Life Church Kampala, Uganda. One Life Church is a multicultural community of believers equipped to serve Christ's mission 